You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I think I turned to sport. So I was like, I just need something to fill my mind while I'm, I need something else to focus on when I'm not focusing on the hustle. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, I just got stuck into sport. I got a PT, um, a personal trainer, and then um, got stuck into my jujitsu. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to work and focus on that. So, um, and that that did it took my mind off the woes me type of thing and um you know and I booked work the following year. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you haven't tried a free trial yet, go to the website builtforthestage.com. We'd love to meet you, love to work with you, love to just have you be a part of the fam. You can check out the link in the description of this episode. Special thanks to our producing team, the Broadway Podcast Network. You can check them out at bpn.fm. All right. As always, we have a really exciting uh, guest for you today on the pod. We're keeping this theme going where we're making friends across the pond. Uh, we've had uh, performers from the West End, Australia, and we're going to keep all things Aussie today as we welcome to the pod, Abby Lee Lewis. Hi, Abby Lee. How are I'm you? good. How are you? I'm doing so well. Uh, good morning over there, everyone. Abby Lee has not wasted a second of her morning. She's already walked the beach and uh, she's doing so, so much better than I did when it was 8 a.m. Uh, a couple of hours ago for me. So well done to you. Great. No, thanks for having me on. Every time I have these chats, it's a bit like Back to the Future. And um, I just saw that they're actually, I don't, I think it's in, I think it's going to be in the West End that they're trying to mount uh, Back to the Future coming up in the summer or fall. I know, right? That was my face, too, when I heard. Yeah. If, if you Google Back to the Future musical, oh you'll see, like, they already have this, like, video trailer for it. It's it's happening. Oh, it's my happening. God. I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. That's not what we're here to talk about for everyone listening, but... You know, you know, if you've been a listener to the pod long enough, you know that sometimes I go on my little tangents and it only took me about <laughs> a minute and 15 seconds to do so. So, um, but no, everyone listening, Abby Lee is, uh, once again, she's in Australia. She'll be joining the uh, Bell Shakespeare Midsummer Night Stream production that will be touring Australia um, in 26 different venues from July to November. Um, I'm pretty sure I ran across... Uh, the show and found out about you through broadwayworld.com. I'm posting about the show and I'm so glad that you're joining us. Um, everyone listening, uh, Abby Lee will be playing the role of Hermia. Um, let's just, let's get into there. So everyone listening, if you're like this huge Broadway fan and maybe you're not like a big Shakespeare buff or know much about it, um, much ado about <laughs> uh, Shakespeare. <laughs> See where I'm going there already. Um, I, I have a, a synopsis of the show, but we're not here to listen to me talk. We're here to listen and learn and get to know you, Abby Lee. So tell us a little bit about Midsummer Night's Dream. Tell us a little about um, the show and how maybe it will differ 
if people do know the show, how your production might be a little different. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so um, for yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream, if you don't know of it, it's quite a fun um, one of his plays. Um, but it's kind of set, it's set kind of in, well, it's set in Athens, but, um, our production's kind of going to be like a neutral kind of playing ground in terms of, um, um, where it's located and then where it's, um, set in time as well. So it's kind of going to be kind of, um, the company likes to work in a kind of timeless, um, manner. Um, but yeah, so it starts with, um, my character is Hermia. Um, she's fallen in love with, um, a guy named Lysander and, um, the, her father's trying to make her marry a guy named Demetrius. Um, she's like, nah, no way. I'm in love with this other guy. Um, so they run away together into a forest. Um, and then kind of while that's happening, there's another like kind of section where, um, there's a couple of fairies who are at war with each other. Um, and that it would be Oberon and Titania. And so they're fighting over a, um, kind of a, uh, Oberon's kind of a jealous person. <laughs> Um, and Tanya's just got her hands on a small uh, boy that she's looking after and all her attention and focus has been on that. So Oberon is like, I want to, you know, make uh, Titania kind of feel my jealousy type of thing. So they get into a bit of mischief there. Um, and then while that's also going on, there's also the mechanicals. And so they're getting ready to put on a, a play. They're kind of like amateur um, what we call community <laughs> um, actors and so someone who's not really like pro yet but um, <laughs> kind of in the amateur world and so they're trying to put on a play um, for the uh, king of Athens so there's like three different things happening it's madness um, it's yeah. also a lot of fun it's one of his comedies so um, everyone gets married off in the end which is um, yeah gonna gonna be great <laughs> um yeah. our, our production yeah um has like the set will kind of be w what I call kind of like a climbing wall um so it's supposed to kind of represent the the forest kind of thing and um there's eight of us in the cast and we'll jump in from we'll double as the mechanicals as well as the fairies so um the and yeah so we kind of will be just climbing over this thing for like 90 minutes which is going to yeah. be insane <laughs> give us give us a visual is this going to be like netting or how will how will you be climbing yeah. this wall so i'm pretty sure it is a um like i think the sets like slat like slats like wooden slats kind of across um like horizontally yeah. um but it's built up if that makes sense um yeah, yeah no, and no, then yeah. there's kind of like little windows and stuff that you can like pop in and jump in and out of and stuff like that so um yeah cool. it'll be really fun we're gonna have to be really yeah yeah. So. yeah you're gonna have to be in shape ready to climb that yeah. wall um speaking of prepping how was the 
audition process uh, for the show? Was it any different due to COVID? Was it in person? Was it over video? How did that work yeah, out? Yeah, so we're kind of a little bit lucky um, here and kind of, I guess, I guess trigger warning for those who aren't performing at the moment. But, um, you know, we we have theatres are kind of at full capacity at the moment here. Um, so we were kind of lucky to have audition in person. Um, so we, yeah, I, I, I actually emailed the, um, director cause I've been working with Bell for about five years in a, um, kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a residency type of thing where I've been like behind the scenes a lot of the time working in their educational section, um, and stuff. So this, and I've done like little bits and pieces for them in terms of performing, but mainly in their educational section. So that's just for students. Um, so this will be my first main stage with them, what we call main stage. Um, so that's when like the public um, kind of come come and view and pay for tickets and the tickets are a bit more expensive <laughs> um, sort of thing. So right. yeah, this will be my first time working with them. So I actually emailed um, Peter, the director, and I was like, hey, can I audition for you, <laughs> please? Um, and, yeah, so we kind of got in the room and he's like, oh, I'm just so used to seeing you in a different capacity. I I completely forgot <laughs> kind of thing. Those weren't yeah. his words, but I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So um, it just kind of reminded me to kind of keep going, hey, I'm here. <laughs> like I'm a performer. Yeah, yeah. That's what I trained for. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I love that. And everyone, everyone listening, just it's a, uh, a revolving, reoccurring theme on the podcast, just about being bold and um, also not limiting, limiting yourself to roles or shows that you could or could not be in. So I uh, love that you just brought that up. Yeah, I yeah, I that's a lesson I think that I'm also learning is um putting putting yourself out there in a genuine way like um I when I graduated WAPA I was like no thank you I don't want to do the whole like schmoozing thing that's not me as a person um you know some people are really good at it um and just kind of completely own it and props to them but I'm just not not naturally that type of person and so when I make connections I want them to be quite genuine and um and I had to kind of like reconfigure the way I network rather than going, oh, I want to go speak to that person because they're somebody and they've got something that I want. I had to kind of go, oh, let's reconfigure in a way like, hey, I'm doing this thing over here. Is like I really admire your work. Is there a way that we can collab or like get together? And you know what? If not, I'm totally okay with that as well. So it's that's been a long process for me just, um, yeah, trying to mentally wrap my head yeah. around the word networking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone listening, when uh, Abby Lee said she sent that email, that email could go like one or one of two ways, you know, like you could send, uh, like you were, like you were yeah. saying, a genuine professional effective email and then you could also be on the other side of it where it's just extremely off-putting so all of our uh, fam out there or our young like collegiate performers definitely try to gravitate towards um either 
people that are maybe a little bit older or seasoned than you in the profession that you think do a good job at this and try to go to school off of them because there definitely is a right and wrong way to to go about it. hundred percent. And like, I, I just remember being in some of those, I mean, I don't know what it's like over there, but our opening nights here tend to be a lot of, um, you know, kind of um, what we call um, subscribers and majority of the time they're either like quite wealthy or they have like money behind them in order to buy these tickets <laughs> to these shows. Um, and then also, you know, sometimes they invite, you know, directors and um, casting directors and things like that for opening nights. And so, yeah, I'm going to an opening yeah. night and I normally sit there with like two glasses of wine going, I don't want to talk to anybody because <laughs> I'm just so like that yeah. social anxiety. But then at the same time, um, you know, seeing someone that you go, actually, I really admire their work. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go up and say, Hey, and I'm just going to say that I've just stopped trying to go like, that's me who I am naturally as a person. And you know, if I admire someone's work, why can't I tell them that? <laughs> like, I think that's it. my intent yeah. is to be nice and give that out to them. So I don't know. It's a really yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry to take us on that bunny trail, but I think it's just a, a good topic and lesson learned for just all of us and everyone listening. Um, before we got recording, I was asking you if you usually live in this realm of Shakespeare productions and if this was something that you were passionate about and you were like Shakespeare bust, but uh, I was surprised by your answer and I'd love to have you just kind of share your story of how this all came about. Yeah. Um, Had you had asked me as a 17-year-old who Shakespeare was um, and whether or not I liked him, I would have gone, what? <laughs> like, who? No. Um, so, like, uh, over here we have Shakespeare on our school curriculum. So um, the government has like, told us that basically schools need to study Shakespeare in some form or another, um, depending on, you know, um, like in, in our English departments. So. Um, but when I was in high school, I, we got one week, one week where we looked at him and I was like, there's way cooler, like styles of theatre, don't really care. No. <laughs> and then it wasn't until I got into drama school that I learned more about, um, who he was, why he was important. Um, cause the way we did, um, our, our drama course course was basic like our drama school um was basically uh classical theater was its kind of grounding point so it was kind of like that's the pillar of theater um sort of thing so we had we learned quite a bit of it and I didn't I oh, infuriated me I couldn't stand it the language was um annoying um I I just I have this one memory of like again drama school where we're doing Romeo and Juliet and on, a, on a, the balcony scene and um, I'm not saying the words properly or I kept saying like doth or doth or some oh I kept saying doth for, uh, for um, and I just remember getting berated by my lecturer at the time um, and I think it kind of like traumatized me a little bit. <laughs> 
And I was like, okay, I just don't want anything to do with this. I just, this isn't my thing. I'm just not going to do it. Um, but then it wasn't until like my third, third year. Um, and we had kind of like a competition about Shakespeare and I just went, Oh God. Oh no. So we had to like team up with like another person and do a scene. Um, and then that we would like competing against each other for a thousand bucks in your third year when you're about to like graduate, you know, it's going to pay for your show reel. You need that thousand dollars. I love, I love, Shakespeare, I love it. Let, let's sign me yeah. up. Let, let's get ready. A thousand dollars. Under is it? And so I was like, okay, great. But I was like, I I did go. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do a monologue because if I'm teamed up with anyone, I'm going to be so terrible at this. I'm going to pull them down. So I did a monologue. I did Mercutio's um, Queen Mab speech, um, and. At the time, I again, I remember getting um, my lecturer pulling me aside and going, oh, I think you should do a female character, not a male character. Um, you know, our the people who are judging it are a little bit more traditionalist in terms of the classical way of performing it. And I kind of just remember going, oh, well, I'm not performing her or I'm not performing the speech as Mercutio. So the way I kind of reconfigured it was um, I was queen. I performed as Queen Mab speaking about herself. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm still female. <laughs> like I'm playing a female. So can I just can I just do it? And she was like, uh, I did it. Didn't win. <laughs> um out of the um the person who won actually deserved it like she was amazing um but I it just like sitting down doing that speech I found a connection to it I didn't exactly know what I was saying um but the Queen Mab speech is like so it has like this dark um kind of gothic haunting kind of imagery with it um when you know you're talking about Queen Mab um and I was just like oh I love that imagery um yeah so that was kind of my hook that was like oh and and because I knew I wasn't good at it so I was like I graduated and then I was like I want to get better at this I want to um and at that time Bell Shakespeare had um what they did was like a postgraduate um kind of uh, short course in Shakespeare. So I was like, oh, maybe I should go do that. And that was really, I think that's where I was like, oh, I can, I have so much more to offer at, with, with Shakespeare than I, than I'd realized. So I thought it was kind of like only the rich and wealthy speak Shakespearean or like go see Shakespeare and, um, and, you know, my kind of upbringing and the schooling that I had wasn't very, um, you know, I didn't go to like I had um I had drama. I studied drama in high school and things like that. But it wasn't. A, I went to some of <laughs> went to some two schools that have been um in the Australia's top ten roughest schools. So <laughs> it wasn't like um yeah. So that was kind of like my upbringing, and then to think that I would be here performing Shakespeare and. Um, is kind of yeah yeah <laughs> let's press let's press pause on that and zoom in a bit because I love that we you know I'm always trying to parallel 
a life in theater with a life in fitness yeah. or just your life life in general i love that you're saying that you're coming from a place that you quote unquote you know shouldn't end up where you are right yeah. now but but you are here you are but there had to have been there had to have been times where you either had imposter syndrome or this like doubt within of like do i belong here or what am i doing can you talk us through those times and how you kept moving forward, whether it was a person or an experience? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think every every performer, every any everybody, I think, um, yeah, goes through that those those points and times where you go, "Oh my god, why am I doing this?" Um, and literally, I think it was maybe two years ago, two or three years ago, 2018 it was, um, I just gotten through to the finals for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child um, here in Melbourne and being performed in Melbourne. And, um, and so, yeah, I was like, like, I think one or one one audition away from the big final um audition and I got a call and hadn't hadn't heard anything um and then my agent's like yeah I think it's a no-go abs and I was like just I was like I'm done I'm done with this heartbreak I'm done with putting auditioning and working my ass off and not getting paid for it <laughs> and no recognition for those auditions. Um, I'm done. <laughs> um, and um, I'm, re- I'm really also, I'm very, very fortunate to be supported. I have a really supportive family. Um, my stepmom is just absolutely amazing. Um, she comes from a background of um, uh, bigger roller skating. <laughs> Um, so, and she's, you know, um, highly competitive, um, and she's kind of like, it's in these moments, Abby, where you go and you find your like mental strength. And she's like, you can't, you can't like, you just don't. Cause I was like, that's it. I'm just going to go and do a teaching course and I'll just go be one of those, you know, I'll be a drama teacher. Um, (laughs) and um and my mom was like no don't and then um yeah and so I kind of like oh I'll just keep plugging along and um just I actually I think I turned to sport so I was like I just need something to fill my mind while I'm I need something else to focus on when I'm not focusing on the hustle um and so yeah I think um I just got stuck into sport I got a PT um, a personal trainer and then, um, got stuck into my jujitsu and I was like, okay, I'm just going to work and focus on that. So, um, and that, that did, it took my mind off the woes me type of thing. And, um, you know, and I booked work the following year, not work that was like, you know, huge or anything like that, but I was still a working performer and that's all I really cared about. So, um, yeah, yeah. I love that you brought that up about the getting into sport with either your personal trainer or jujitsu. I think it's extremely important for performers mental health that there are outside hobbies or outside um, things. I'll just say that you 
draw your attention towards other than just theater? Yeah, hundred percent. That has been my saving grace. So um, that I, because I casually teach as well for my what I call my muggle job. Um, so, so some people, you know, work in hospo. Um, that's their muggle job. <laughs> I work in as a kind of a casual teacher. Yes, so across three different theater companies, um, Bell Shakespeare included, and so. Um, yeah, I was like, right, when I'm not, um, when I'm not hustling or not getting acting work, I'm going to focus, um, on my teaching. Um, so I'm, I go into schools and teach drama from, um, an actor's point of view. Um, and so, um, sometimes it'll be working on a play or sometimes it'll be working on a book. Um, and I, I like to focus in on like low socioeconomic, um, schools. So, um, that way I feel like I'm giving something back. Um, and so that for me is really important also for my mental health mainly because, um, you know, when you're performing, it can be so much about you and what you're doing and you're getting critiques from the director and they're going, okay, can you work on this? Or, you know, um, and, you know, and, and, and depending on the production as well and stuff, this one, this production is going to be very ensemble based. Um, so, you know, it's a more of a collective, more of a, t- a team. Um, but, yeah, I just feel sometimes as an actor, it's very like inward, self-looking inward. And so when I'm teaching, I was like, well, I need balance. So I want to be able to share yeah. and give something like that back. So that kind of fills up my time outside of performing as well. And then, yes, yeah, sport. Uh, sports um I've always been kind of um very athletic like growing up in school and stuff like that so um I just want to keep maintaining that's really important for my mental health I've kind of embraced it in a way of a bit of a clean slate in terms of um so I'd I'd also well I'd also been working from a point where um I it my normal was already um, compromised. So I, um, just a bit of context was like, I've, I had a condition, um, that saw the left side of my body lose, um, sensor, like sensation feeling. And so I've had that rectified. So they've gone in and fixed all that up. Um, and so now it's really strange because I'm feeling way better than I did prior to the surgery. And so I'd been doing, you know, I graduated WAPA, I had like performed in like, you know, I've hundreds of schools all over the world, I've done tours and things like that. And so my normal, I've got my blue belt on uh, in jiu-jitsu in this condition, in this state. And so my normal now is way better than it was before surgery. So I now gone, okay, I'm going to take this. I'm you know, I'm still building my muscles and stuff back up, but at the same time, um, it's an opportunity for me to kind of go, okay, this normal now, what does this feel like? Um, you know, and I, and I, I also think this is very common for women, especially, you know, if they're going to have, um, you know, if they've had babies or if they have pregnancies, um, have been pregnant and then have gone and done shows and things like that, they've had to build their bodies back up. And so I think it's quite a normal, um, you know, anyone who's doing sport or anything like that injury is gonna be, it's normal. Like it's a part of your your yeah. your your work basically. And so, 
um, understanding that building those muscles back up, understanding that um, it's all part of it um, and you've just got to find your way of um, managing it, I I think, um, is going to be mentally, like obviously nerves and stuff like that, like um, play into it. So I went back to jujitsu the start of this year after a year off um, and the scariest thing was the mental state was like I'm rolling I'm rolling again all it takes is like one little um slip and I'm gonna pull my neck out or um you know like the, the oh my god the mental the mental I was I I was so scared I'm so scared of just rolling yeah. again and so um I'm yeah, it was kind of. Um, I'm I'm back to a point now where I'm gonna stop jujitsu. The men, I'm um, the mental state of it. I feel like I've overcome, but I've just noticed there's a few muscles that um, you know are kind of a bit more weaker and things like that. So I'm just gonna build myself up before I jump right back into it and try try and get my purple belt. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck with that. Uh, one of our coaches and, and my uncle and a few close people of mine, they're jiu-jitsu practicers. I never have rolled myself as, can you, for those listening, they're like, what the hell's rolling? What is she talking about? It's just people rolling down a hill. Uh- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's let's end the episode on a, on a light note and you can inform our listeners what rolling is. What rolling is. Um, so um, for any of Anyone who watches UFC, I mean, uh, it's also kind of a strange thing. Not many, uh, not many. Everyone on this podcast, every single listener, I'm sure, on our theater-based Broadway, (laughs) everyone is watching UFC. Okay, great, awesome. Um, So we're all we're all on the same page with you because we all watch UFC. All okay, great, love you, love you, say. Um, So any, yeah, so. Any of the grappling stuff that is done on the ground um, is um, kind of what we would consider rolling. So we rolling's like sparring, basically without um, punches or kicks or anything like that. So yeah, if you're watching UFC, any of the stuff they do on the ground is also is like either jujitsu or MMA based, basically. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so for everyone, after uh, in the fall, if you're here in the States and you just saw your Broadway show and it's about 1030 and you go to the bar and there's a pay-per-view of UFC and they're on the ground kind of, you know, grappling, you could say, oh, Abby Lee Lewis taught me this. They're, they're rolling right now. They're rolling. <laughs> they're rolling. Yeah. So we call it sparring, uh, rolling. Um, but yeah, you can say yeah, sparring yeah. as well. <laughs> All right, that's that's going to do it on our episode today. Thank you so much, Abby Lee, for giving us your time. Oh, thanks for having me. That's been awesome. Um, yeah, and good luck with everything. I can't wait to hear when those doors open for um, people over there for the theatres and stuff like that. Soon. It's going to happen soon. I know it. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks for just the conversation. Uh, it's super inspirational and uh, just joyous to hear that you all are back mm-hmm. at it. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to it as well. Awesome. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, everyone. That was Abby Lee Lewis on Built for the Sage podcast. If you want to look at her Instagram or other places that you can find more information on her, just check out the description of this episode and we'll direct you to it. All right.
check out BuildForTheStage.com or on our socials at BuildForTheStage. Thanks to Broadway Podcast Network, EPN.FM. Until next time, Joe Roscoe signing off. Later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.